Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. We have an extremely special guest today in the form of Dr. Mike. Who is, is this your second time on, Mike, or third? This is my second time, yeah. Second time. I'm also here with Luke, who is also a very important guest, of course. Oh, uh, the guest. Co-host. <laughs> Co-host. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think today is the perfect time to get Mike back on due to obviously the times that we're in at this, at this moment. So um, I think we all wanted to discuss, you know, the situation at current and from Mike's perspective being a slightly more um, informed perspective being in the NHS himself and seeing this all unfold himself and being part of that, uh, kind of discussing the implications of the situation we're in and certain bits and bobs around this that potentially people aren't quite comprehending or understanding as much as they should do at the moment, if that makes sense. Um, oh. How are you, Mike, first of all? I'm very well, thanks. How are you? <laughs> yes. Did that, did, that sound, did that sound sincere enough? Is it, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult time. It's a bit up and down, I would say. I know. But yeah, at, at this particular minute in time, I'm fine. Good. Good. Fine. Good. Yes, so it is. Yeah. You're, uh, you're on leave at the moment, aren't you? I am. I'm going back to work tomorrow. It's, it, it, it definitely hasn't felt like I've been on leave. So I've been very much um, on emails. Um, I, I actually have uh, a couple of different roles in the NHS. So I'm a GP partner, which means that I, along with my other partners, help we run the GP practice. So there's been a lot of logistic things to be sorting out. And obviously, when you're on leave, that doesn't stop happening. Yeah. Um, equally, the daily updates about learning about how we're doing things, you, you can't really leave that you still need to keep up with it but then also I'm um I'm a training program director for for GP trainees so I help run the training scheme um, and obviously there's been huge changes in how that's being delivered and in how training is happening and and what's happening with education as well so that's been a big part of this last two weeks with with trying to trying to help with that as well so um yeah it does it's it's the least annual leave annual leave I've well, ever it, had it, but... it works to your advantage in the fact that you can you can kind of be on your own and get on with all that stuff because there's such a big workload yeah yeah in some ways it just it means yeah it's um i think i think nobody's really getting very much downtime at the moment so i, I definitely can't complain about it and uh, i'm looking forward to going back to work tomorrow as well and sort of um continuing things mm. downtime's like becoming like a guilty guilty pleasure not even a pleasure at the moment anytime i think people are finding themselves not doing something at the moment they're immediately finding something to do so i've got to be yeah. helpful in that situation i can't sit on my ass and watch netflix like i think which i think if you have the ability to help in some way obviously people need downtime but i think making making the most of that ability is probably a good thing at this time yeah i think so too i mean i think it's important to kind of you know to 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 do your part and i think the fact is at the moment downtime is actually a big part of people doing their part and actually accepting that they're not going out to the park and you know going and meeting people and stuff is actually incredibly important so the more we promote netflix and seeing at home and skyping your mates and stuff like that um that is actually also doing our part too oh for sure for sure yeah but i think i was probably talking more about the people in the nhs there and even even like it's not at all comparable but i'd say the stuff we're you know be, you know we're trying to do in the fitness industry of like get information out to help people from that side it's like you know the more we can do the better and i think yeah for sure 
if you know if all those sorts of individuals find themselves not necessarily doing as much as they can then Damn. Yeah. Well, I think we've all we've all got more time on our hands than we have had previously, apart from, you know, apart from people who are now sort of having to also homeschool their kids as well as um, doing their jobs from home. <clears throat> but in terms of the rest of the stuff, we've we've all got much less of a social life than than we would have had. So we've still got a lot more time to do yeah. things, I suppose, in terms of in terms of I think it, on, on another note like that. That social aspect, one thing that I've noticed over the last, even the last couple of days, is the fact that now we're in a position where social distancing is being taken very seriously, which it should be. Mm -hmm. It's making you appreciate that social side of things so much more in terms of what we took for granted before is now something that is, is, you know, viewed in a different light, just general interaction. You say that. I was talking to another mike but michael goulden <laughs> yesterday um, and he's he was in his studio in brick lane and he was just showing me how outside the window there was people just wandering about the streets like normal you know within like half a meter of each other and yeah. stuff like that and you're just like what on earth are you doing i think it is th- i think this is the problem is it's so variable isn't it and I, I liken it a bit to like you know if you looked at twitter leading up to brexit or leading up to the election because your immediate vicinity does certain things a certain way, you assume that's what everybody's doing. Mm. Um, and so everybody assumes, you know, everyone always assumes we'll get a Labour government because that's what Twitter says. Everyone always assumes that no one's going to vote for Brexit because that's what Twitter says. Like nobody's publicly on Twitter saying that they're voting for the Conservatives and stuff like that. So you kind of get these really skewed bubble sort of assumptions. And I think it happens, it happens to us through, you know, through kind of Instagram, it happens to, to us through social media, but also it happens in our immediate neighborhoods as well like i certainly feel that walking around when i've done my you know state sanctioned walk of the day i have seen that things have been a lot quieter there have been a lot fewer people around um and people are for the most part making an effort to keep away from one another um but then you know you do see the occasional thing that just really shocks you and i think i think it's been particularly difficult in london because i think that it's much more densely populated as well so it's logistically harder to do like in in smaller towns and smaller cities i think it's easier to keep away from people because you're you're automatically further away from people than you are in london whereas in london it's just very dense and there's people everywhere so even if you want to go for your one walk of the day it's very difficult to do that and not be within a meter of another person because other people are doing that too yeah. And that's what presents the challenges, I think, too. Yeah. And I think it's like, um, you know, when we look at, and as you know, like you say, the bubble, like the social media, we, we, you know, especially on Instagram, the people that I'd say that we tend to follow and essentially trying to maintain some, semb- you know, semblance of responsibility and do that sort of thing. They're, they're kind of the ones that are publicly, you know, showing that they're self isolating, but there's not, mm-hmm. you know, that's in the scheme of things, a small amount of the population when you think, the amount of people that aren't on social media who care about being viewed as responsible in this situation who are just going to be trying to get out and yeah. see people so it's um but yeah it's um weird times weird times yeah very weird times but hopefully i think i you know i think these these changes always take a little bit of time to adjust to and i'm probably like you know i am as irritated by it as anyone else probably more so like it you know it infuriates me to the point where 
you know, before we started lockdown, I was going on daily walks to try and kind of clear my head and keep mindful and all of that kind of stuff. But every time I went out, it made me so angry because all I saw was other people out hanging out with each other. Um, and even though that was with, within the kind of government framework of what was being advised, it wasn't, or what, you know, what was being permitted, sorry. Um, it wasn't within the framework of what was being advised and it was infuriating. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's why it's so important that, that the rules get enforced and taken seriously as well. But I don't know, it's, uh, it is variable for sure. Mm. It's funny because like in Nottingham where we live here, it's, um, there's like an area called the park, which is a lot more spaced out than the, than the city is. And there's not a lot of people here at all. Like if I look out the window now, I can't see anyone. And um, like when, when you take the dog out for a walk now, because there's so little people here, you'll see someone that's walking in the same direction as you coming forwards. And then like one person will walk on the other side of the street and you'll carry on. So yeah. it's very easy to do here. But if you're in a, if you're in a densely populated area, you know, yeah. it's, 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 there's, 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 there's another challenge there, isn't there? I don't think yeah, that's because it... of COVID, Cal. I think that's because they see you coming and they just like, oh, God, I've got to move. Essentially, also true. But the difficulty <laughs> and, and the hard thing about it is that to say, you know, on one hand, we go, oh, yeah, it's difficult. But on the other hand, like, this is a life and death situation for a lot of people. And actually, it, it's so important to do it. And that's why it's very difficult to see people being blasé about it at all because I you know I think a lot of people are absolutely terrified by it um, and a lot of people are just completely disinterested and, and the sad thing about it is that a lot of the people that are, that are disinterested um, you know don't realize the impact that they could be having on other people or if they do realize the impact they could be having on other people and they're still not taking it seriously then you know, that's even worse. Yeah. Yeah, Let, let's from the perspective of opening this up then. So, for the for the demographic that isn't really taking this as heavily as they should do in terms of the implications of the situation, let's discuss that frequently used term now, flattening the curve, and let's discuss what that actually means in 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 a real life situation with the with the National Health Service. Sure. So quite difficult to describe over audio or even over video yeah. without pictures and stuff. So maybe I will yeah, draw we, a picture and we can we, post that with it. But we can put this on YouTube if we, okay. So if you do want to draw something. Okay. Or, or I will, I will maybe, I'll maybe draw it afterwards and we can use it as a visual aid to the podcast. But basically what you're looking at is like a bell curve of, um, you imagine it looking almost like a sombrero and this is the number of cases increasing with time. And then as they increase, eventually, they will start to decrease um, and what we want to do is try and spread out those cases because I think because of the virulence of, of the virus it's quite likely that that people will continue to infect people but what we want to do is to try and slow down that rate so that even if we can't reduce the number of um, the number of people that that get the infection at least perhaps we can reduce the speed with which it all happens um, and how they kind of, you know, how quickly people get infected because there's a certain line on that curve, like a flat horizontal line, which basically marks where the capacity of the NHS is to actually deal with treating these people effectively. And so we don't want the top of that curve to be going above that line. We want it to be, to flatten it down, to squash it so that it potentially lasts longer, but 
that the top of the curve sits just under that line of the capacity so that although the NHS will be continuing to work at capacity and probably beyond it, I mean the, the NHS probably I would say works beyond capacity on a regular basis anyway um, and that's what makes it so difficult to flatten that curve to the level that it needs to be flattened to um, but the idea is that then more people can get the treatment that they need for the condition so people who need ventilators for example might still get access to them whereas in you know in places like Italy where they're having to decide um, to make very difficult decisions um, on sort of who to ventilate and who not to ventilate in situations where they would normally be ventilating those people um, the idea is to is to kind of reduce it to that level so that so that people get a chance but the other side of that which I think people don't consider as well is that if the NHS is functioning above that line and is functioning over capacity and is making all these difficult decisions and is is having such trouble dealing with people with COVID then people with any other medical conditions are also going to suffer in that way too and there are going to be unnecessary deaths from other things as well so the people that think they are safe from being infected with COVID are, are a you know underestimating it anyway because as we've seen young fit healthy people can also get very sick from it and even die um, but also those young fit and healthy people are still at risk of other things like you know breaking their arm or um, you know other types of infection or appendicitis um, or all of the other types of things that aren't going to stop happening just because covid is happening so the idea that the nhs is is so severely over capacity is is a terrible thing to happen for everybody not just for the people who get covid um, so that's the idea of flattening the curve and trying to reduce people being in contact with each other is trying to reduce the speed of the spread of the virus so that 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 doesn't happen does so that make like, sense yeah so it's essentially forming an orderly queue to get, to get into the nhs rather than everyone rushing the doors in one hit yeah essentially yeah so um yeah i get yeah makes a lot of sense and i think it's good that you raised the point there of there's other things in the world that can you know are, are is equally risky to our health and well-being yeah. and, and you know, mortality at the moment and, and i think yeah. that's something that people are forgetting of they're like oh all covid is the only thing that matters and it's like well there's quite a lot of other diseases mm. there's also you could get hit by a car and what happens if yeah, someone's exactly. not you know, it's like so I think that's a very good point to have raised. Yeah. Mm. Mm. In terms of the, the actual virus itself, I don't want to get too heavy into it, but just for, to kind of explain the situation in terms of how this has gone so global, this is, is, this, is this more contagious than previous coronaviruses were in the past? Is this, is this more infectious in terms of the rate of its spread? And that's why it's such a great implication worldwide. So historically, like coronaviruses have existed for an extremely long time. They're not a new type of virus, but this is a new type of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So historically, because there hasn't been a new, a new type of coronavirus, I think for, for, um, for a little while, we had things like SARS and stuff like that as well, but they were very well contained, um, or at least, well, actually, I don't know if they were very well contained, but they, you know, they, they prevented kind of outbreaks for sure. Um, but essentially previous more long-standing coronaviruses have often caused very mild illnesses like you know the common cold and stuff like that so they have been quite easy to deal with but because this is a totally new strain 
of coronavirus, nobody has any immunity to it yet. So the body, the body's immune system doesn't really know what to do. So it just overwhelms itself when it when it sort of happens, or potentially overwhelms itself. It's, that's obviously not happening to everybody, but um, it just has. It's it sort of seems to be infecting people quite easily. It seems to be spread relatively easily because it seems to survive on surfaces and things like that. Whereas, um, you know, it, it's it's being spread by um, droplet infection and by surfaces, and that's been the main sort of route of spread. But it seems to have quite a high rate of spread, if that makes sense. So, and then also, the seriousness of the infection seems to be greater than um, with other, you know, with other types of coronaviruses that we've seen as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the seriousness of the infection; it's also the ease with which it's spreading, and the fact that um, we're all naive to it. We we all haven't had it before, like other types of. Um, which is another. Yeah, another good point because I've heard someone not too long ago saying, "Oh, coronavirus has been around for ages. We shouldn't worry about it." And you know, we've all been fine before. And it's like, well, they obviously don't understand the ins and outs that this is a new breed of coronavirus. So it's yeah, like, I mean, it's unusual, isn't it, for people on the internet not to understand the the uh, depths of of scientific information and, <laughs> and to and to yet think that they know all about it. Yeah. Um, but you know, we've all like, I think nobody really expected it to become as serious as it has or maybe some people did i'm sure but you know generally i think people expected that like with previous um episodes of stuff like this happening with you know with sars and with swine flu and all of those sorts of new types of infections people expected that it would be contained and that it would pass and that that you know we wouldn't have to have to be too troubled by it um but obviously that hasn't happened Mm. And then they're also too ignorant, arrogant, however you want to say it, to actually take the advice given by the government when it when it's needed. Damn it, yeah. Can't. I think the people are people are a little bit naive to the situation, aren't they? And then for a lot of people, is it is only kind of it's only becoming real when potentially they've already been impacted by it, or family members have been impacted by it, or friends have been impacted by it, and then they realise, oh, hang on a minute, this is this is different. Yeah. And to a point that's human nature. Like it is, you know, it's, it's almost built in us to, to believe everything's going to be okay. And this can't possibly happen. Like, you know, the idea of this happening, like even to the extent that it's already happened in terms of, you know, we were talking earlier about closing pubs. Like imagine, imagine a situation when, when was the last time that nationally all pubs, all cinemas, all clubs, all bars, all non-food shops were closed. Yeah. Yeah. Gyms. Exactly. Like it is, it's it's an absolutely bizarre, unprecedented situation. So, I you know I don't think it's fair to be too um, you know dismissive of the people that were dismissive of it. I suppose because you know it is it is unprecedented. It's not like it's happened before, and we're expecting it to happen again. It's just it's it's weird. Mm. Very strange. I think I still is. wish they had listened. To be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Amen. One thing we spoke about earlier was like the the uh, the change in perception of people within the society as well that we also took for granted in the past. So, like if you if you asked someone out the random public three months ago what the what the role of an NHS worker was, they'd be like, oh, they just look after people, and it wouldn't have been anything more than that. But now 
it shows like these people are actually literally holding our country together. The same with teachers, the same with carers, you know, people that are delivering your food to your doorstep. All these people are now the glue holding our society together and now like they're obviously the most important roles, but before they were seen as, you know, you know, they just they're just part part of the woodwork, if that makes sense. It's oh, cool. you know, like I think to be fair, I think from a public perspective, I've always felt pretty appreciated, like as an NHS worker, but I think you're right about the you know, the other it's the other people I think that have that have been like the unsung heroes, you know, carers, teachers. Um, you know, the people that collect the rubbish, for goodness sake, I mean, what would we be doing now if we didn't have our bins being collected? You know, it is, it is so, so vital that we appreciate the people that are, are holding society together. And it, there are, the, I think the whole point is that everybody has a role to play in society. And the sooner that we realise that it's not that one is more important than the other, it's just that they will fluctuate and on, on a given day, someone's role might be the most important one in the world, but then on, a, on another day, someone else's might be. And you know, like it's, even I remember having a conversation with a, with a musician and, and saying, oh, you know, what I do isn't important. They, they, they were saying, what I do isn't important. You know, you, you do such an important job. And I was like, I don't know that I would be able to get through every day if I didn't listen to music on the way to work or on the way home or, you know, when I was doing exercise and stuff like that, like, you know, everything is important. Everybody is contributing apart from, you know, MLM people, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I, I think that's a nice way of looking at it. Of course. The, um, yeah, and I'd say I'd agree. I was, I've always appreciated the NHS in the set, you know, like a number of my close friends are working in the NHS. I think it's awesome. My mum used to be a nurse. Yeah. So, um, but then I do agree that there's definitely a huge number of the population now that are suddenly like, oh yeah, you know, like the people clapping the other the other night. I, might oh, I imagine that was amazing. You know, had they been asked to do that before, yeah, you know, if there wasn't any crisis, I mean, the, the real test will be where are we asked to when we're asked to clap for the NHS when there's no coronavirus around, will people still do it to the same effect, yeah. um, to like the same magnitude? Like, sadly, I'd probably say they won't because I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think to be fair, like, I, I think the, you know, from, from a public point of view, um, I think I've, I've always felt quite appreciated by the public. I think that the NHS isn't always necessarily appreciated by the government. And I think that's always been the problem. It's the underfunding and the under-resourcing that has been, that has been um, the issue. You know, like the NHS, a lot of the NHS survives on goodwill it survives on the goodwill of the workers and their 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 want to do a good job rather than their want for you know financial reimbursement or um or recognition so you know i i would like to see a change in how you know people are appreciated from the organizational level rather than 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 from the public level because i think also like we also have to remember like we, we are doing a job it is our job we are getting paid for it it's not you know it is it is our role it's something that we've chosen to do everybody is is doing it because it's a choice that they've made not because they've you know they've been drafted to do it or anything like that so well maybe not so much now but um but so you know that's we don't you know we don't need applause um, but it would be cool to be able to do our jobs with, you know, the, the resourcing that we need, the funding that we need, 
um, and the, the capabilities that, that we need, I suppose, without the, the restrictions that are often placed on stuff. But, mm. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really tough one because it is also a, you know, being a government funded service, there are always going to be um, things that need to be in place to, to prevent overuse and all of that kind of stuff too but it is you know i don't i don't envy the people that have to make those decisions but there we go. Yeah. no i think it's cool and i think you know that's where we can get into like the positives of the situation with looking at how you know there's been a whole shift in in perception of you know all these different things in the world at the moment and you know the world is going to be like irrevocably changed from all this and it's like you know are we gonna hopefully see that people are more appreciative more appreciative of um like getting outdoors the nhs as well <laughs> i know you saying but the um you know getting outdoors being more sociable i mean like yes when the time you know obviously now isn't the time to be sociable but when we're allowed to do that i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of people that are kind of more keen to actually get out and see people rather than lock themselves up inside which at the moment you know all the introverts out there are probably loving it because they're just having to do what they normally do <laughs> It is, it is interesting it's it's really interesting and i think it's um i think how it changes will be i don't know it's, it it depends on how it plays out to be honest and it depends how long it lasts as well and it depends how long people's memories are and how what actually happens to people i think as individuals as well i think that um you know i worry about levels of things like you know you know, people becoming more sort of germophobic and actually, you know, distancing themselves from people more because this instills a sort of a, a fear of contamination and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, those are the things that we can't really afford to worry about at the moment because we've got to do the things that we're doing. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not really up for debate from that point of view. We're just going to have to roll with the punches, I think. And, 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 you know yeah i think it will i think you're right i think there will be a lot of things that will be that will be permanently changed i think how we work will be changed i think how we communicate will be changed i mean we've all been sort of forced to make a lot of a lot of changes very very quickly and changes that probably there's been pressure to make for a long time but people have dug their heels on them for various reasons um and it will be interesting to see which changes persist and which ones um you know go back to normal because i think I think we will also remember the importance of social interaction. Um, and I, you know, I worry that, you know, on some level, everyone will go, well, cool, everyone can just work from home now. Um, yeah. And actually, <laughs> that probably won't be good for everybody. No. But, I, you know, I, I think it also, in, you know, realistically, it's kind of, it's opened people's eyes up to, to possibilities and different ways of working. Um, and I think that hopefully then we can be more flexible in terms of ways of working. So people with childcare responsibilities and stuff like that might find it easier to work from home. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think, uh, yeah. And I think there's stuff people can still do now, I suppose. We, I mean, I say, you know, people be more sociable. I think we can still be sociable now whilst maintaining physical distance. And that's what, people, oh, yeah. And I think it's important people do because there's, you know, there's a guy, um, he's a naturopathic doctor, actually, but he did a really cool presentation a while ago. I'm recording this by video, Mike. So <laughs> no, no, I just suddenly realised that. No, no, no but he, he's, he's quite a you know, decent evidence-based one. Like, I'm quite um, critical of those sorts of things. And he did a presentation a while ago just on the power of, um, you know, being part of a community. And, and, like, there's, you know, the research behind what happens to the immune system and general well-being when you're actually socially isolated versus when you're part of a community working together and 
all the stuff and there's you know evidence that being completely socially isolated and not having a purpose in life actually does kind of cause immunosuppression to some degree um so you know where people can i think people can get into get on video calls with people like if your coach is out there like i've been changing all my client check-ins to in-person calls because i think it's important to actually be able to speak to people and give them kind of actual you know face-to-face support but uh, you know and that's where i mean would you agree on that that people should try and seek out that that social aspect of communication now whilst maintaining obviously the physical distancing yeah for sure i mean the thing is i think it's um i think we're seeing loads of it i mean i think we're seeing people that don't normally pick up their phones and speak to people that normally communicate via text and stuff actually ringing people video calling people um, I mean, everyone's joining house party, aren't they? And, and sort of hanging out in these weird like um, rooms, playing games and stuff, which is awesome. And it's, you know, even, you know, I can only speak really, I suppose, from a personal level on that. And it, I have found that it's incredibly uplifting to to see your friends, even if you can't, you know, see them sort of face to face. And actually, you know, you you in some ways feel more connected than you normally would. Like in a lot of a lot of situations you would go to work all day go home you know eat do your admin go to bed um whereas now you know there are there are opportunities for for socializing it's interesting because like, i've done i've been doing skype pt sessions in my living room yeah i saw that and and we did our first our first group session the other day Take your off mic though for those wall sits no well so i was trying to explain to callum about the um the slow versus fast twitch fibers of your hamstrings i'm not sure if you know about that and so actually if you wear slippery footwear while you're trying to do a wall sit then you've got to put more pressure on your foot grip um which will increase your um your uh, proprioception and also improve <laughs> your hamstring um uh, hypertrophy is that not right well it, that would like i like the logic but there's zero work from the hamstrings in a wall sit so well, of it's course there is because you're you're constantly trying to to flex your yeah but you knees, don't want what you? you want an immovable yeah you want friction to be decent so you can basically think about shoving your feet out and they're not going to go anywhere so i'd wear shoes next time you know what i'm talking about that's pretty much an entirely quad based challenge the hamstring well um a sit like manage the quads in that instance i'm sorry luke but i've been on the internet for a number of years <laughs> and so i think that qualifies me to to talk about biomechanics so. <laughs> that, that is the the uh, the approach that many take so I, I respect it no just for clarity i am joking um i the problem was i was at the it was right at the end of a workout and i didn't want to take my socks off and have sweaty feet on the floor yeah, it's probably yeah. just as bad as having sweaty socks on the floor, but I don't know. For some reason, it felt better. I've got some of those trampoline socks though, so I'll just have to wear those next time. Trampoline on the bottom. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, like when you go to the um, or when children go to the uh, trampoline places, oh, oh. <laughs> they give you they give you special grippy socks to wear. I've never been. I really um, oh, you, well, you shouldn't now, but you should. You should. Have oh, really? Months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all go. Screw this social distance. Yeah. We need to have fun. I mean, that's the approach that people are taking. That was not a genuine. Also, also, I definitely don't recommend trampolines in any capacity at the moment because that that sort of then gives rise to the other. We're trying to stop people from having other injuries as well at the moment. So, all the people building trampolines in the gardens for their kids, it's probably also not the best idea. 
So here's a way to avoid it. We could just say trampolines increase susceptibility to COVID by 88%. Essentially. (laughs) (laughs) I found it on the internet as a statistic, I promise you. (laughs) I preferred it when we were talking about hamstring hypertrophy. (laughs) Someone's going to take that that excerpt and then just absolutely destroy us for it. It was a joke. Yeah, that's why I kept silent. (laughs) (laughs) No. no, I think, uh, yeah, I like it. The um, the positivity that we can all have from this be, being so, well, so we can. I, th- I think positivity is a it's a really challenging subject at the moment. Where you know normally everyone's like, yeah, yeah, be positive. But now I think what we're seeing a lot of is people are feeling guilty for being positive because bad things are happening to people, and it, you know that is a, that's a genuine concern. I think for a lot of people is that. People are like, oh, you know, should I be putting out normal, lighthearted stuff on Instagram? Should I be sharing memes? You know, is this making light of the situation? But I think what we also have to remember is that we are going to be fighting this problem for for probably longer than we realise. And I think it is important to try our best, you know, to 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 keep our mental health intact and to to not completely, you know, just just submit to negativity because it's very easy to do when you're worried about something. You know, to just mm to just be negative and to just focus on the really serious aspects of it. But we do have to remember that, you know, this is, there are things that aren't happening, you know, like, so for example, a lot of people are going to be safe by staying at home. um, And a lot of people are not going to have serious infections if they catch it. So we do have to remember that, that this isn't, you know, this isn't, um, necessarily going to affect people in all the same way but different people are going to be affected in different ways at different times and we've got to be really sensitive to the different things that they will all be worrying about Um, but also we do have to continue to try and pay our bills to try and live our lives to try and enjoy what is enjoyable um, and not just you know not just submit to it entirely we need we need to take action like action is so important but panic isn't helpful you know and it's easy for me to say that less easy to act on it you know I've definitely had my fair share of um, anxiety and panicked moments but um, I think it's important to you know to keep trying to be as you know as positive as we can within within those circumstances and not to feel guilty for for doing that too. Mm. A good thing to talk about here would be obviously daily practices and things that we can focus on to actually maintain obviously people are focusing on physical health with personal training sessions online and mm-hmm. getting outdoors and doing home workouts and whatever but from a mental perspective things that we can practice daily to actually keep ourselves in a good place mentally as well through you know i'm looking out the window now in the last couple of days it's been beautiful sunshine so that obviously yeah. lifts your mood by itself but obviously next week if it starts torrential rain for five days that's gonna you know put a downturn on everyone's mood so what what are kind of things that we can do day to day to actually solidify our mental health at a time like this well so i I, yeah exercise but also i think like fortunately i mean you guys are uh, have consistently promoted that sort of behavior anyway i think through you know in your coaching and stuff so hopefully it's not going to be news to, to a lot of people but you know things like practicing mindfulness um, limiting your uh, exposure to social media, to the news, um, or at least at least filtering what it is that, that you see. I mean, trying to limit the number of times you check the news a day. I mean, you probably don't need to check the news more than once a day. You're not, you know, 
but it's very difficult not to in this sort of time. Um, and, you know, being honest with people about what you do and don't want to see, I've, I've sort of noticed that we're getting, we're all in lots of WhatsApp groups and, and sometimes it's overwhelming seeing different articles being shared in these different groups and they can be quite, um, you know, you know, doom and gloom sort of articles and articles that are spreading potential misinformation as well. And it's really difficult to manage. And I've, I've sort of found that I've had, you know, to, to ask people to stop talking about it sometimes because it doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily help me to have those conversations as frequently as I'm having them. Um, I think it's difficult because I think now more than ever, it's quite important that we maintain that we are, you know, that we actually stay informed because we need to know what's happening so that we know how to change our actions. Um, but yeah, you know, getting out and about a little bit within reason and within the government guidelines, I think is important. Keeping in touch with people, um, having regular, regular communication with people, um, doing the things that you normally do when stuff is hard, I think is, 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 is good. A lot of people are talking about things like journaling, which is something that I keep considering doing and never quite get around to doing, um, headspace. Um, I found things like listening to listening to music that I like, you know, old nostalgic music, stuff like that has been has been really, really helpful to me and just distracts me for a little bit at a time. Films I found, you know, quite distracting as well. Um, but we have to remember as well, we're in quite a fortunate time of the world for, you know, in terms of this, in terms of, you know, our access to the Internet, our access, you know, we can access books online, we can access music, we can access films. Um, we can access our friends and family online as well, which is something that five, ten years ago would not have been possible. Um, so, yeah, I would normally say reduce your screen time, but in many ways, actually, at the moment, I'm sure my screen time is through the roof. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. For those listening, very Karen, true, very good a very snazzy pair of blue light blockers. Are very snazzy. It's, um, we're, we're fortunate enough to be be able to occupy ourselves for for now whilst we're in this lockdown phase and you know the ability to communicate still with ease is a blessing really isn't it absolutely absolutely and there's you know there's there's obviously the health risks and the health concerns and and the downsides that we've got that unfortunately we can't particularly change apart from by staying at home um but you know, it's at least the other side, the other parts of it, which would be causing a lot more trouble, um, don't have to cause as much trouble as as they are, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the the point the point you brought up with, um, I've definitely got to that point now where it's like you hear, I watch the news for a little bit each day to inform myself of what's going on, and I watch Boris speak, etc. But apart from that, I just try and. I try and switch off, switch off from it so it doesn't really get into my head too much mentally because if you start watching the news all day and fixate on everything that's going on and every, all the experts are talking about, you know, the potential outcomes of this, et cetera, you start to become such a pessimist that it does impact you heavily mentally. Um, and I've had certain clients that have checked in over the last couple of weeks that some are in Ireland that have obviously gone to the full lockdown now and it's impacting people mentally very, very heavily. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, we, as a, as a, as a, like, you know, 
a society now all over the world, we've just got to draw on those positives and look at the opportunities this has brung and just endure this for the meantime, because it's not going to last forever, but it will be a certain time where, you know, life is going to be more challenging than it was three, four, five months ago. And it's a reality that we've just got to face head on. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing. And, and it's, I think some people cope by, you know, more information, learning, knowledge. But the problem is that a lot of the, a lot of the things that is information isn't actually knowledge. Yeah. It's people, it's conjecture. It's people go, I think this is what's going to happen. And I think this is going to happen. And, you know, that can be useful to read in some ways, but in a lot of ways, it just, it just isn't because it's, it's somebody's made up opinion. And some people, um, some people like quell their anxiety by thinking through the very worst case scenarios. Um, and that isn't healthy for everybody. Like some people actually you know, it, that will make them feel worse and some people that will make them feel better. So it's very difficult to, um, it's very difficult to decide what's best for yourself. But I think that's, that's what's important to focus on. Um, but I think that, I think the other part of it is it doesn't really matter. Like it doesn't matter how anxious you are or how panicked you are or how worried you are. It matters what you do. So as long as you're doing all of the things right, as long as your behavior is right, you don't need to make yourself miserable as well. I think that's the kind of, you know, and, and for some people it will be unavoidable. Some people will be miserable. They will be unhappy because, you know, they can't get away from their worries that they've got about their loved ones or themselves or whatever like that. But um, <clears throat> for some people, I think it's, we almost, you know, we almost find, you, you know, we find that negativity and we absorb, we absorb it much more than we, than we want to or intend to. My mum is the worst for it. Our family WhatsApp last week was the most morbid thing I've ever seen in my life. And I just had to give her a bit of a reality check because once you, once you let that get to you, it's a downward slope. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, people take it, take it differently, don't you? Like I, I can't let myself get too negative about it and you've just got to follow what you've been told and get on with it. But obviously some people struggle with it a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. And it will take, I think, I think part of the process of getting your head around it is going through different phases of yeah. positivity and negativity. And certainly like I've had, you know, periods of time where I felt incredibly positive about it. And I've had periods of time where, when I haven't. And I think the difficulty is most of the news is, is bad news because it's, because things have been steadily getting worse and, and are continuing to get worse. So, you know, the problem is, it's very difficult to find reassuring news at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like time of day of reading, like watching the news makes potential. Um, yeah, I think my my dad for some reason has this routine of, I think he watches it when he wakes up, checks it in throughout the day, watch it in the evening, and then right before he goes to bed, he checks all the death, checks it one more death, time. Yeah. death statistics on the uh, Worldometer or whatever it is, and it's like I yeah. don't. That's the best thing to do before you go to bed, is it? Like, no, and do you know? Do you know? I I genuinely think it. I I and I, I have no data on this. This is not a, a scientific judgment, but I don't think our human brains are very good at processing statistics and processing like numbers when it comes to to things like death and risk and stuff like that. Um, you know, I think that that it's very interesting to me how I will react if if I see the story of one young fit healthy person being really sick that will set me off for the whole day um but if i hear a story about one person you know who is 
usually quite unwell um, and has a lot of medical problems and just had a mild version of the illness that will cheer me up for the rest of the day and that's ridiculous because you're not contextualizing the actual numbers in any way at all you're just talking about isolated cases um, and it's very very difficult to put when you're dealing with numbers that are in their hundreds or their thousands or their tens of thousands or their hundreds of thousands it's very difficult to put that into context when you think of the population in terms of in terms of a whole um, and and that's what makes it so challenging and that's what makes it also up and down is you you know you hear a couple of reassuring stories and a couple of not reassuring stories and it's just it's just I think very difficult and the hard thing about it as well is that you know in, in many ways it's actually quite important for the media at the moment to I mean not necessarily overplay the stories but to really highlight the worst case scenarios because at the moment we're in a situation where we're trying to convince the public to change their behavior yeah. and it takes a lot to convince the public to change their behavior as we've seen already so you know in in many ways it's you know like you know i i, I don't think misinformation is a good thing generally but in many ways i can see why the worst case scenarios are being highlighted for which is to get people to take it more seriously yeah yeah it's a valid valid point and um, also because the reality is quite grim as well so you know it's just telling the truth um yeah. but and it's important to tell the truth but it's it's a really difficult message to try and balance and i've certainly found it really hard like on you know on instagram and stuff like that trying to you know maintain hope and promote positivity and stuff while also trying to spread correct information because you know you can't dress up the fact that this is that this is a bad thing that is happening um and you need to be honest about that and you need to be open about it otherwise you're just kind of you know blinkering yourself and there's a difference between being positive and hopeful and being blinkered and i think you have to remember that too mm. yeah. yeah is that to be fair i hadn't thought about it that in that context of if the media weren't um weren't taking taking this in the light they have to in terms of portraying those worst case scenarios then it, it the, the general public and the people that will be resistant to change now in society wouldn't actually follow what wouldn't actually conform anyway because the implications aren't heavy enough are they exactly exactly i mean imagine if you just woke up one day and said yeah um everything's fine but we're just going to ask you all to to stay at home yeah. you know for a couple of months and we're gonna close all of your pubs and your cinemas and your restaurants and everything but everything's fine don't worry about it nothing nothing to be concerned about nothing to see here you know no one's gonna no one's gonna comply with it um but you know it's 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 a tough balance to to find and i sort of maintained throughout that i think i think the media do have a very difficult job in this situation i think the politicians have a very difficult job in this situation as well so it's um you know it's been it's been it's been tough to watch and certainly we haven't always agreed with everything that that we've seen um but you know i don't think i would ever want to be the one making those decisions mm. i just i like the the use of resistance to change their cow because it makes me think of an analogy of like essentially it's the public you know the, the behavior of the public is like this collective mass just moving in this one direction with a ton of inertia and like resistance to change and then there's the gravity of this situation trying to slow it down and change the direction people are moving in there which is and we just got to hope that the gravity of this situation wins out yep 
which I hope it does. Yeah, um, I'm sure it will. It will just depends on how long it will take. I yeah, mean, exactly. Mechanics would always suggest that, well, it does. Gravity would typically always win. It's just when. Oh. Where, where, where's your head at with, um, in the situation, just thinking figuratively, in the, in the situation where we are not able to flatten the curve now, what actually happens now? Like we, we're just in a position where we just can't cater for, for the amount that are trying to come through the door. People are ringing one, 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 and they just can't get through. Like, let's think worst case scenario. Scary. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> that's dangerous. To, I think uh, that's a risky topic to go down there. No, I mean, I, I think, I, I, I think it's reality, isn't it? Like this is a potential outcome. So people need to hear it. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, the reality the, you know, the potential is that, you know, we run out of ventilators, we run out of equipment, we run out of, of doctors, doctors, you know, and, and other hospital staff and, um, and all of that kind of stuff as well. We run out of beds um, and, you know, people who might not otherwise have died would die um, is, is, is the bottom line, really. How many of those is, you know, no, it, it's not helpful for me to, you know, to make predictions in terms of that because it wouldn't be based on anything other than me making it up. Um, but, yeah, essentially that, you know, outcomes would be worse than they would have been. Mm. without flattening the curve um but the difficulty is as well is that you know we will never really know what difference we made either as individuals or as a country because we will never be able to go back in time and see what would have happened instead if we hadn't done certain things or if we had done certain things yeah you know so like it's it's kind of you know i was thinking like you know imagine how many potential lives you've saved by staying at home for one day or by you know by not meeting up with a group of 10 friends for example you know i think i think it's almost like you know looking at it in that positive light for example is is possibly more um more beneficial than than looking at it in terms of you know what what will happen if we don't do it nobody knows but it you know it would be bad mm. I think it's fortunate that we have a system that we do that is so keen to help everyone as opposed to like having some kind of North Korean situation where you cough in public and you just get shot. Is that, that what happens that, in North Korea? That yeah, that, that's what they do. Like someone, you know, if you cough, you'll just get a bullet to the head. So, oh, shit. Is that true? Well, apparently, yeah. Apparently. Well, on Facebook. Apparently. According, according to stuff that's circulating on the internet, which is a valid resource, people are being like, essentially shot if they're like, demonstrating any severe symptoms. I ho hopefully I'll take that with a pinch of salt. But, take it with a pinch of yeah. salt. I mean, that isn't like, I mean yeah, I, I'm I, definitely I've glad that, that that's that not what we're doing. Yeah, from numerous places. Um, okay. That apparently that's what's happening. So. In essence, from my point, I didn't mean to be so like gloomy there, but in essence, those vital resources are perishable in, in yeah. essence, and there's yeah. only so much you can go around. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, essentially, there's you know a certain rate of production that we can meet on those things, and if we have too many people getting into um, getting infected, then yeah. And I, I think the 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 reassuring thing is that um, you know for the last several weeks every hospital that I am aware of has done absolutely everything in their power to absolutely ramp up their capacity, to increase the amount of beds available, to increase the amount of ITU spaces that is available, 
um, all of that kind of stuff as well. So, you know, I think certainly, certainly things have been put into place to act to absolutely maximize things. And, you know, miracles have happened in terms of, you know, if you, if you said, oh, we need X amount of extra ITU beds, everyone would have been like, what, you know, that's, that's just not possible. You don't just make ITU beds. And yet they have. And I think, you know, part of that's because they've cancelled things like routine surgery and stuff like that. So they can use recovery spaces um, and the ventilators that they would be using for, you know, for surgery and stuff like that. So, you know, they, they have absolutely done as much as possible. Um, but, you know, whether that's enough is al always very difficult. Um, and so it's, you know, the, the positive side of it is that people have been working around the clock now, you know, to, to try and prepare for this. So. Are they bringing more, so uh, like, uh, something I heard, I'm not sure if it's even true, but are they bringing people back that have recently retired to then rejoin yeah. the workforce within the NHS? Absolutely, yeah. So there's, there's been a call out for, um, for retired, retired NHS workers. Who, so basically it's people who have been retired within the last three to five years. So it's not sort of people who retired a long time ago. And I think they've had, they've had a huge number of, of people who volunteered to help um, but there's there's also like redeployment within the NHS, so redeployment of junior doctors um, and of different types of specialties of doctors, like like doing different things. Um, how those doctors are being used is is quite variable and and, you know, it's all been in sort of quite new and inventive ways. Um, <clears throat> obviously, there's concerns that generally people who have retired are older which means that they are in a high risk group so you know face to face treatment and stuff like that might not be the best sort of place to 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 use them um but yeah that's that certainly has happened and they've been building temporary hospitals and stuff as well um there's one that's almost finished um in the XL in London and i th i think i heard that there's ones going up in sort of Birmingham and Manchester as well but again you see so many things tweeted that it's actually quite difficult to verify a lot of the yeah. news that you you know that yeah. you hear. I mean you talk about this the amount of information in general like I said yeah North Korean thing could be absolute bullshit but it's being spouted about quite a lot so yeah you don't know who to believe but yeah it's quite a dangerous thing in itself I think it's... yeah oh yeah crazy social media boom there's open, yeah. open your WhatsApp now, and if you're in any groups on WhatsApp, the amount of things that are being shared in there from people like I just got to, I've got to mute groups now because I just don't want I don't want to listen to it because there's yeah. so much, there's so much rubbish. It's tough. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Well, that was a good discussion. Thank I enjoyed you. It. I enjoyed I agree. Um, I anything else that you want to bring across, Mike, that we haven't discussed that we planned on discussing but forgot? Um. I mean, really just, just the take home points that just listen, listen to advice, get your information from the government websites. Like those are being frequently massively updated and they are, they are reliable. They're updating them and they're updating them. Well, um, there, there are good myth busting sections. Um, you can follow algorithms if you're, you know, if you're, um, if you're in England, you can do the, you know, the one, one, one algorithm and stuff as well. Um, if you're worried about symptoms, there's also an app the way you can kind of enter your symptoms daily to kind of monitor things. Um, there's so there are so many good resources out there that actually we don't need to read the articles in the WhatsApp groups and we don't need to read the conspiracy theories on Facebook. Um, we just need to keep ourselves well informed 
try and focus on what you can, you know, it's the same advice that you'd give to anybody at any time is try and focus on what you can change. Yeah. Um, and, and, and to try and keep positive and to keep your physical and your mental health intact because you need it now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I just want to say a big thank you to you, Mike, and everyone else supporting our country at the moment in such a time of need as well. Oh, well, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it feels really awkward when people say thanks to me because I don't really feel like I'm, you know, I'm not working on the front line at the moment. I'm working in a GP surgery. So, oh, it's, well, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody is playing a part. I'm massively grateful to everybody as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think we're, I think we are all grateful to everybody who is helping our lives to function, um, as best they can at the moment. So thank you to all of those people as well. And thanks to you guys as well for, for trying to keep people exercising and keep people healthy. Um, and also, you know, help people with what they need help with as well. So it's, um, we've all got a part to play, like I said. Yeah. I think on a, on a serious note as well, something that hit me like a, kind of bricks this week was seeing um, Sai fans post from Ultimate Fitness in Birmingham and the situation he's in. So thoughts and thoughts and prayers yeah. with his family. Absolutely. And Sai, that, uh, that was hard for me to see, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, and I think that will be hard for a lot of, a lot of, you know, a lot of us are going to start seeing people who, who are in our own demographics having stories like that. And I think that is the hardest thing because it's very easy to deal with this when we feel like, oh yeah, but I'll be fine because I'm X, Y, or Z. And then when you see things that go against that, I mean, it's not only incredibly sad to read from the point of view of, you know, knowing who he was and knowing his family and knowing his friends and all of that kind of stuff, but it's incredibly sad to see because it, it reminds you of your own risk as well. And so I think like, you know, for, especially for, you know, for you guys and people who are, you know, I've seen a lot of people in sort of fitness say things like, yeah, well, I know I'll be fine because I'm young and fit and healthy. Um, and it's, it's really, really difficult to see things like that. But it's obviously even more difficult to be the person or the family that are going through it. So absolutely thoughts, thoughts with his family and with his friends and, and with him and uh, really hoping for a speedy recovery for him as well. Yeah. 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 Thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. A pleasure and um always a pleasure yeah we'll uh we'll speak soon buddy absolutely mate